check in real quick. How is Feral February going, everyone? <laughs> I forgot we were doing that. It's hard if you're in New England and it's cold out and you don't want to go outside. Feral can be inside. There can be yeah, that's many true. feral indoor activities. I yeah. can speak to those. How's feral February going for you, Sabrina? Pretty feral. Pretty, pretty <laughs> feral. Are you maxing out on being feral? No, I think I'm really, I think I rock for, for, ferocity, for reality. <laughs> What's the plural? Like, <laughs> for, 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 I'm just great at being feral. God, I'm just stuttering now. <laughs> I can't, I don't know. I can barely think. That's okay. Your brain is being kept very warm by your adorable beanie. I'm freezing. You're so cute. My ears hurt because I have like my blue light glasses touching my ears, my hat, and then my headphones. So at some point, I'll probably strip all of my clothes off as a result and be like, fuck this. Get naked. Get, Get naked. naked. You know, before we did YouTube, there were naked recordings. There were so now many. That we're on, now that we're on video, it's like we really just got to get a hold of our body temperatures. And by we, I mean me. (laughs) Also, hi. Welcome to our show. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. Hello. I am Sabrina. If you're just catching up with us, Feral February is the new dry January. It's where you do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, it's the opposite of dry January. Dry January insinuates that you have some sort of self-control mm-hmm. and feral february is just letting your freak flag fly yeah there's no rules do what feels good to you don't hurt people be be like a no. good human i think that's yeah part of it but a good example of feral february is something that i don't know if you said this just on the regular podcast or if it was like a patreon special but you talked about how when you were painting you just thought about what if you put your forehead in the paint? Yeah, I put my and then full, you did it. Full face. So it's it's kind of like intrusive thought February <laughs> as well. Yeah, intrusive thought feral February. If you really want to eat that acorn off the ground, do it. Mm-hmm. Yum, crunchy. Be a squirrel. Be a squirrel. If you want to travel the world, do it. If you want something, just take it. <laughs> take life by its big old. Big old titties. <laughs> Milk it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with my Harry Styles mug. Oh, so cute. To get comfortable and tell you some updates. Please get cozy or maybe go be feral and listen to us tell you about part of our feral February is yeah. reading fairy smut. Oh, yeah. Fairy smut. So we are doing on Patreon, we have quarterly book club and we are reading A Court of Thorns and Roses, which is by Sarah J. Mass. And we are going to have our discussion of just the first book on March March 3rd at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. We'll post about it on Patreon. There will be a link. But if you're a Patreon member, you can join us for that conversation. I'm sure there are plenty of you out there who have read the entire series or have gotten a jump start on books two, three. I just started book two because I couldn't wait. <gasps> you so did. Can... I almost bought the full series the other day when I was when I went to one of my favorite bookstores, which is in the North End. I am books. <sighs> but so fun. I didn't because I still have to read the first one. But yes. I really like our book club. It's so fun. 
So yeah. we'll discuss this book. I think our next book, we won't continue with the series, but I think we can privately, and by privately, I mean like on Patreon, still all continue yeah. the series. We have like a discussion thread. But the next book club, if you're not into the fairy smut, you can still join for the fun discussion and then help us pick our next book, which we always do yes. at the end of that meeting. Yeah. Meeting. It's so formal. <laughs> it's a book club meeting. <laughs> it is formal. To me, very, very it's formal. formal. It also feels so personal, too, because I was even talking to Brian the other day and I was like, <laughs> there are people that we just see every week, whether it be a campfire yeah. stories or these various meetings. And I was referencing people and, and not to call out Litha, but Litha, I was talking about you and your home projects and things going on in your life. And then he was like, who is Litha? And I was like, oh, one of my friends. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. We know so much about everybody. <laughs> we do. Us. On do. Those that I start talking about people's personal lives to people around me. And so I'm sorry that I know so much about all of you, but it is really fun to all get together. To be fair, they know a lot about us. They know that's true. That now it's even. You have a salami nipple. So, and if you're lucky, I'll give you a little snake pig. <laughs> no, I won't. I really want to see. I'm curious to see what it looks like. They're dark. It's like cured meat. I will show you. Okay, the last update we have is a couple encounters ago in the new year, or the beginning of the year, we mentioned The Glamorous Ghost, which is the Perry Mason novel. And we were talking about reading it on Patreon and all this stuff. That was before I knew that Corinne was pregnant. So Corinne, I could tell, was like, little does she know how much work we're about to do. So yeah, I was like, ha ha, we're going to be recording 10 episodes every single week. Every to week. To continue, because while uh, we've referenced, I think before, maybe... Maybe in a future episode, too, because we've been recording so much. But I will be on maternity leave. But that means absolutely nothing for the podcast because yeah. we are doing have a all the work now to make sure that yeah. all of the episodes still come out. And it's life as usual for all of you. Yes. So because of that, we are not going to be recording Perry Mason novel. But also, it's really sexist and like super outdated. If you want an update, I'll read it and tell you what happens you can also watch the Apple TV series, but there is a surprise that I am planning for Corinne and for all of you on Patreon when Corinne is on maternity leave. And so that will be coming in the summer. And that's all okay. I'll say about that. For me, but I'll be gone. Mm -hmm. I'm intrigued. Good. I like to intrigue you. Will you intrigue us? I will. A few weeks ago, we had mentioned that we were going to, over the holidays, dig up some old writings from our childhood and that we would read them. I found none of my... This is follow through February too. This is follow through February. As we just told you that we're not going to follow through with the other thing, but we'll follow through no. with this. <laughs> but hey, like this is proof. We're what? Like this is basically like nine weeks later and we are following through with the promise. We're doing it. Yeah. So I did not find any writings, like creative writings, but I did find a couple things and I'm going to read you two things. One is my writing. Oh. One is not. Okay. This is from my second grade journal. I think I said first grade before, but I think it was my second grade journal. We had writing time every single week. And so we'd have to take like 30 minutes or something to write. And I figured I would read you guys what I would consider to be my very first Yelp review. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was June 3rd. Yesterday, I went to the Harry Bear Express and I got my hair cut short, like with layers in the back. 
I had about three to four inches cut off my hair and it was really hard to see that much hair go. So I had to close my eyes a lot. Oh my gosh. after I got... (laughs) It's funny because I don't remember having that issue with haircuts. That's so cute. I did. But here's here's where I get upset. After I got my haircut, we went to Burger King to have lunch. I ate the same thing. I always eat a burger, which makes Burger King and McDonald's so boring. My brother chose to go to Burger King. I think he only chose that because of the toys. The toys are getting boring, too, because all they have are the Lord of the Rings, and they just never get anything different. It took about (laughs) 10 or 15 minutes to get our food together because it was slow service. I looked in the back at the workers, and they were all just talking. And it took about three to five minutes just to scoop one bunch of french fries. I never want to go to that place again, but we probably will at Christmas time so that we can pick the name off of a tree to get a present for them, which was in reference to every year my parents would go. You know, McDonald's would have that tree. Charity, yeah. The charity, and we would each pick someone to get gifts for. That's nice. But (sighs) McDonald's and Burger King, never my thing as a kid. So, but did you like the haircut? I did like the haircut, but I think it was like my special reward after the haircut was... To go get fast food. burger. And it was like, oh, what are my options? What am I going to get? The same thing I always get because there's only one option for me, a burger. Pissed. You are so cute. I can picture it so perfectly. Oh, my gosh. Toe tapping in the the side. Like, how does it take five minutes to scoop one bunch of French fries? I want a picture of you from that age next to you on the screen while you read that just so that... (laughs) So that people can like picture you that age saying this. I feel like I had like a bowl cut. <laughs> and then the other thing I wanted to read was from the Williston Observer newspaper. And this was my friend Lauren, who she was one of my best friends in elementary school. And so she slept over all the time. She had a haunted experience at my house. And years mm-hmm. later, when she was in 10th grade, she wrote about it. <laughs> And it made the newspaper. So I'm going to read that. That is amazing. Did you know that she was writing it into the newspaper or was this a surprise to your family? It was a surprise to my family. Did you know that she had this experience before this point? Yes. And what's interesting is my memory of her experience and what she wrote is different, which, of course, I mean, we were in fourth grade when the experience happened, I think, or something like we were really young. We were, mm-hmm. It was sometime in elementary school, and this was years later. This was 10th grade. So, you know, either of us could have changed the story in our minds right. by then. Yeah. But here's her version of events, and then I'll tell you what I remember. The Haunted Sleepover by Lauren Meunier. Lauren, I'm so sorry I'm reading this. My friend Corinne's house is haunted, and it has been since she moved in, which also we built it. So yeah, (laughs) since we built it. Corinne's been haunted since she was born is the (laughs) footnote there. She told me that it was the ghost of a seven-year-old girl who wore her hair in pigtails. She also told me about a time when she accidentally grabbed a foot thinking it was her younger brother, but instead found a three-year-old boy's ghost. I didn't believe her house was haunted until one night. It was in fifth grade. I was spending the night at Corinne's house. It was Friday after school and my mom brought some things over. We had dinner 
We played a few games and we talked for a while, and then Corinne's mom came in and said we needed to go to sleep. So we got ourselves into bed and tried to go to sleep. Then Corinne said she didn't really feel good, so we both got up and we went to go get her mom. Her mom told us to go back to bed and said, Corinne is fine. (laughs) (laughs) An hour later, I was still up. Corinne was fast asleep. Everyone was asleep except me. I just couldn't sleep. I tossed and I turned all night long. All of a sudden, I heard a little girl's voice. (gasps) Corinne, Corinne. Calling your name. Yeah. I thought I was just hearing things, so I went back to trying to sleep, but then I heard it again. Corinne, Corinne. I thought I was going crazy, and then I remembered, that little girl ghost. So I started to panic, and I didn't know what to do. I'd never seen a ghost before, and I wasn't sure that I wanted to, so I pulled the big comforter over my head faster than you could say, (gasps) banana. The voice kept getting louder and louder, and I was so scared. Then I felt a sudden chill over my body, and I saw a dark shadow through the comforter. The shadow left and went over to Corinne's side of the bed. I decided right then that I would shut my eyes before the ghost could pull the comforter off of me, and I just tried to go to sleep. And eventually, I did. The next morning, I told Corinne about it, and she just laughed and said, the ghost likes to play with me at night sometimes. I guess she wanted to play with you, too. (laughs) Oh, (sighs) my God. Yeah. You are such a, you were like such a creepy kid. Yes. Okay, so my recollection of it, I think there's been like a couple things that probably were either in my own explanation or confusing to Lauren. But the little girl ghost that I was referencing was the girl that was in my brother's closet when he was like four. He was dressed up in his Bez Lightyear costume. My mom and I were upstairs too when we were in the hallway and he ran into his room to grab something into his closet to like bring it back out for all of us. Mm-hmm. And there was a girl hovering and she had her hands. She was like going like, humana, humana. like I, I don't know. I didn't see it. But like she was like humming or like making some sort of vibrating noise with her mouth. And I believe that's the girl that I was referencing to Lauren. Did she have pigtails? I don't remember the big the pigtail detail. Maybe okay. my brother does. But however I had explained it to her, it must have been just however Christian had explained it to me at the time. Yeah. And then when she heard Corinne, Corinne. I didn't realize that she had thought at that sleepover that it was the little girl ghost because I had been experiencing, and this was something that I hadn't told anyone before. I think I told my mom, but I definitely did not tell any of my friends. Lauren did not know this. And Lauren experiencing this was like, holy shit, I'm not imagining things, which is funny that in the morning I played it off like, ha ha ha. I was like, brain blast. But I had for like a year or two, been hearing a couple, like a woman, a young woman, and a man. They probably sounded like they were in their 20s or 30s outside of my bedroom door at night. And they would discuss me. And they would talk to me like, is she awake? Can she hear us? No, no, no. She's fine. Corinne, don't say her name right now. It would be conversation like that. And I would hear it and I'd be so freaked out because it was like right outside of my door and they were discussing me. But I was like, I must just be imagining it or I don't know. It's your spirit guides. But then when Lauren heard the Corinne, Corinne, I was like, oh my God, Lauren experienced it. Wow. And the shadow thing was interesting because I definitely, even to this day, sometimes in my childhood, I'll feel like a presence, like a shadow. I won't see it, but like I can feel it coming to the side of my bed. Sometimes it's my dog. Sometimes you can tell because he's low to the ground and you hear like the clickety clickety. Yeah. Coming in and like staring at me. 
And by my dog, I mean my dog who passed away years ago. Right, right. But anyway, that was Lauren's haunted sleepover at my house and my review of the McDonald's <laughs> near Williston, Vermont. I have a request for myself, and I think all of our listeners would want this as well. Can you and I do an overnight slumber party? Because I've never been to your house in Vermont. Yeah. And I really do mean that. Like, I will plan before your creepy child comes into this world, I will plan a trip and we can go to Vermont and do this. Honestly, should we wait until the creepy child is here? Because maybe that will trigger more activity. Oh, that's a good point. Because the thing with okay. my house is there's lulls. Like there's yeah. there's periods where it's really, really active. And then there's periods where it's dead quiet and it's silent and you won't experience anything at all. And so I think right now, in my experience, it's been pretty quiet. I know my parents have had like little things happen here and there, but it's not yeah. anything consistent. But sometimes when someone new comes in, things pick up. Okay. Well, we just have to do it because I know you're saying that your parents might be moving at some point in the future. And in the next I, few years. Yeah. If anyone wants to buy my old haunted house, I'll let you know when it goes on the market. <laughs> my bucket list is to visit this house and stay the night there. So. Okay. Yeah. And if anyone wants to house swap with my parents, they're looking to move to, I think the Portsmouth, New Hampshire, like seacoast area, which is where my mom's from and where half my family is. Also, can we just admire how cute Leia is right now? Just sleeping, just having She's a good sleeping. time. Being cuddly. Lounging. She looks so soft. She's so so cute. I love her. Although <laughs> I wore all black and so I will be covered in her hair. Yeah. But this will be great. She'll get to relax to your own voice because you're telling us a story this week. I am. And I did wear all black in honor of my story today. Okay. Because in honor of Feral February, and 2024 <laughs> being the year of the witch, I chose to cover an icon, a hero, a witch. This woman we're about to talk to is a f -f -f ferocious feral female. <laughs> the triple threat, the triple F. <laughs> the ultimate compliment. Yeah. And I, I've literally wrote, I say it with the utmost love and respect because I feel like some people could be like, oh, that's mean to say someone's like feral. But like, no, like this is a story about someone who was ostracized, misunderstood, and despite all of that, defied all social norms and refused to diminish herself for the comfort of others. Good. Someone that we should look up to, maybe. This is the legend of Hannah Hovey, a.k.a. Hannah Crana, the witch of Monroe, Connecticut. Connecticut, so close. I always just assume stories like this are from the UK, from like the 1400s or something. So, okay, as a disclaimer, it's really difficult to find any information that goes deeper into the history of Hannah, her birth, or any actual records aside from a gravestone that exists in Connecticut. So most of which I'm about to share with you can't actually be verified as fact, but is absolutely delightful and Unlike most stories of witches in American history and in New England history around this time, which ended in false accusation and executions, this ends and leaves you, or it left me, a little pickled vegetable and craving a pet rooster. <laughs> what in the world did you just say? It left you a little pickled vegetable. I, if I were to go back... 10 seconds and relive a feral moment, I would say it left me a pickled vegetable and craving a cock. 
<laughs> Honestly, the part that I'm most confused about is the pickled vegetable. Oh, I just love pickled vegetables, and I think it would be delightful <laughs> to be pickled. Like, you know, instead of being tickled, I'm pickled. It's just like a way to bring up that you love pickled vegetables, just writing like a weird things in your research. So I'm like, wait, what is that? And you're like, oh, by the way, I love pickled vegetables. I love pickled vegetables. <laughs> I'll mark that in my notes for gifts for Sabrina, pickled vegetables. <laughs> okay. I know there are plenty of people out there who love getting like flowers and roses and stuff as gifts. I don't. I actually think it's one of my least favorite things. And I, I think it's sweet. It's a nice gesture, but I really don't like it because they die and they smell really bad. If you're going to get me flowers, get me a plant that I can like continue to cultivate and let it live. Yeah. Or get me eucalyptus because I love like dried eucalyptus, but I'm not a yeah. flower gal. Not a flower gal. Get me a book or pickled vegetables. Brian's Valentine's Day tradition for me is he gets me a plant, like an indoor That's house so plant. nice. And then half the time they live, half the time they die. <laughs> I think I told you this, but growing up at my house, my parents like got us all a tree and we planted a tree in our backyard. Oh, yes. Yes. And I like the idea of like planting a tree for the new life. I'm pretty sure mine died. I agree. Everyone that I've told this thinks I'm crazy, but... I'm going to attempt to keep my placenta and then I want to bury it Eat in my it? backyard. Oh, okay. And put a blueberry bush on top of it. Wait, I love that. Why is that weird? Well, I don't think I've told people that part. People still think that anything with placentas can be weird, but I also was telling everyone I was just going to sling it over a tree branch and let it dry out like fruit leather. So, <laughs> listen, you could do weirder things. You could do like Mary Shelley did and wrap your yeah. lover's heart in your desk drawer. So, it doesn't matter what I'm going to do with it, okay? Like, I just need no. it. Do whatever. It's your placenta. It's the baby's, I think. But like, you grew it. <laughs> True. And now it's going to grow blueberries and I'm going to feed to everybody. <laughs> What's your secret? I'll sell one placenta blueberry on, on OnlyFans for $100 a pop. Wow. That's actually brilliant. Okay. Anyway, uh, why am I like tearing up? Back to Hannah Crana. Hannah Crana. Once again, leaving me a pickled vegetable and craving a, I know I said cock earlier, but it's a pet rooster. <laughs> the night was struck by a storm. The wind carried whispers, secrets, and terrors. It wailed through the small town of Monroe, Connecticut, and proved treacherous and vile. The townspeople sought shelter in their humble, modest homes. The rain pounded the hearth, extinguishing red-hot flames. They were no match, and no match would light a fire. All they could do was huddle beneath blankets, hope their roofs held up, and pray morning wouldn't bring any morning. When they woke, the skies were blue, the sun was bright, and all was all right. But they should have known not to trust it. The tides turned ever so quickly. A man was dead. Captain Joseph Hovey was discovered at the bottom of a steep cliff. His neck askew. Did the honorable late seaman take a fatal fall? Or was he pushed, murdered at the hands of an old shrew? Also, I feel like now is a good time for me to address. For some reason, when I first heard of Hannah Cranon, this was like months ago, I was going to do this last year. Mm -hmm. My brain was like racking itself for memory of a nursery rhyme or like a schoolyard rhyme that we used to say about Hannah Cranna, similar to Lizzie Borden. Oh, really? I swear 
I swear I know it. Like I, sw- like I can hear it in my head. I can hear like the beats and the rhythm of it. Yeah. And I cannot, like truly there is part of me that is convinced that Hannah Crana and myself are experiencing some type of Mandela effect because I'm convinced there was one. So that is why I wrote that whole beginning thing kind of like in a poetic-y, rhymey Yeah, in a rhymey way. way. Because I was trying to satiate this like, I literally, it feels like there's an ice cream scoop taken out of my brain because it's missing. I have no clue what you're talking about. Someone so else not there, ringing a if bell? If it does exist, no, not at all. And I tried looking. This is the first time I've ever heard Hannah Crana's name. Okay. And regionally, we're not too far away from each other no. for where we grew up. So right. I don't know. Maybe someone else knows. Maybe it is a Mandela effect thing. I don't know. If anyone knows the Hannah Crana nursery rhyme, please tell me. Are you me. thinking or, of like the Hannah Nana, Bonana, Banana Nana, Fofana? No. no. Okay. It's like the Lizzie Borden one. It was like a like kind Jump of violent, song. morbid, but like witchy type of thing. Mm. Anyway, if anyone can find it, I will be so thrilled. And if not... Please, anyone, if you would like to submit a Hannah Crana riddle rhyme poem to us after this, please do. We'll post them on our social medias and maybe... But you you have to record it in the voice notes so that we have your voice doing the, the beat, the rhythm. With the beat. Everyone yeah. rap and send us Everyone rap. rap. Anyway, I, it's like, truly, I thought like by the time that I finished researching that like that feeling would go away, but it has not. So did you ask chat GPT? Because I feel like that scrubs all of the internet. I did not ask chat GPT, but I asked everything. Like I truly scoured the internet and it doesn't exist. Very interesting. Like it causes like a physical pain. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Oh my God. Back to the shrew. So Captain Joseph Hovey was found dead and the townspeople were like, this is strange. How did this man go from atop the hill to down below? His neck cracked and his soul no mo. That didn't really rhyme. <laughs> I was trying to rhyme and then I was like. <laughs> so his death left his wife, Hannah, a widow, but she was not alone because she was kept company by her trusty companion, a Big old cock. Old <laughs> Boreas, her rooster. Oh my gosh. I love it. It's like Moana. Yeah. You love to reference Moana. <laughs> but so Hannah and her cock live up on this hill by themselves. And she kind of becomes a little bit of a recluse. And rumors begin. Chatter begins. The legends begin. So as I said, there's not much known about Hannah prior to the death of her husband, Captain Joseph Hovey. And there's hardly even anything really known about her at all. There's just Mm. this legend about her. So the legend goes that Hannah initiated herself into witchcraft following the mysterious death of her husband because her husband's death remained a mystery. People were like, Some people say that she became a witch afterwards. Some people say that she was always a witch and that her husband was a drunk or that she just like was bored of him. And so she hexed him and caused him to, in this like stupor days during a stormy night, truly just walk off the cliff. Oh, wow. It is 
sometime in the late 1700s, Hannah is now widowed, stowed away atop the summit of Hevelin Hill, and she was not seen for weeks, maybe even months, until one evening, two men were driving along the hill when they spotted a woman, her hair wild, eyes crazed, standing in a swamp, staring at them, wearing a long gown. Fiona? Is that (laughs) you? (laughs) It was Hannah. And there's some discrepancy here. In one of the articles, it said she was wearing like a white gown that someone, uh, you know, with legends, like someone was like, it was her wedding gown. But then other people say that once her husband died, she only ever was seen wearing black, which is why I'm wearing black today. But I don't know why that would be weird because I feel like it was common practice as widows to wear black. So, And also it's like we didn't, they weren't just freely dyeing different garments left and right. Right. Various colors. Like the majority of clothing were the neutrals. Right. I guess the weird part is that it's the middle of the night. She's standing kind of scarily looking in a swamp, staring at these men as they're driving up the hill. And then these men (laughs) fled frightened. Oh, I love her. (laughs) In the months that followed, she was only seen a couple times. She became a recluse living at the top of her hill, kept company only by her rooster who, after Joseph's demise, apparently only crowed at the witching hour at midnight every single <gasps> night. Oh, what a spooky little cock. <laughs> hmm Even the name of her crow insinuated Hannah was a witch because... Oh, it was a crow. In my mind, it was still a rooster. It is a rooster. I'm confused. It's like doing the, like, crowing, calling, and what's okay. it called? Okay, okay. Uh, barnyard Cockle- facts, I don't know. It was cock-a-doodle-doing. It was cock-a-doodling. Anyway, instead of like, instead of sunrise, as most roosters would do, this rooster would only do it at midnight, every night. Mm. So it's like this (laughs) haunting noise emanating from the top of the hill where there's this like recluse woman who's widowed wearing all black and potentially caused the death of her husband. Which it's also like, why, why is it alerting her or just like responding to something every single day? day at midnight so the rumors that started to spiral was that hannah was performing like satanic rituals at that Mm. time and that was like the beginning of her rituals and the name of her rooster old boreas and i might be saying that wrong but it was named after a purple winged greek god of the north wind and winter Hmm. so it's really interesting that she has a pet named after like a pagan god another check mark for is this woman a witch? <sighs> Poor pagans. Yeah. But this rooster was her familiar. And this, like the story of her and her rooster, like it is so beautiful. It's very tragic, but beautiful and sad. And I'll tell you at the end. But so Hannah is racking up witchcraft suspicions. Like she's checking yeah. all the boxes. Her husband died mysteriously. She's now a recluse with a pet cock who I just, I keep, I have to say it. It's, I don't know. I'm 10. I'm feral. <laughs> we can call Boreas Rue. Little Rue. Rue. That's cute. Oh, Rue. And I'm going to put this in quotes because I think it's just like a vile misinterpretation of this woman. She had a cantankerous personality, meaning that she was mm. like a shrew. 
Yeah. That's well, I would be thought. too if my husband died on the bottom of a cliff and everyone just assumed it was me and ostracized me and continued to yeah. make rumors about me and my only companion, my pet rooster. Yeah, seriously. So then more rumors circulated and they became more absurd. Like there was one rumor that her home was surrounded and guarded by an army of snakes, which fucking badass if that's true. And that the birds on her property could not be hunted. Like a hunter could like shoot an arrow at the bird and it would hit the bird and like no damage would happen to the animal. (gasps) I love it. She lives in a protective bubble. She's magical. Um, And then she only wore black draped clothing. And I'm sure maybe, okay, so it's the 1700s. I'm sure people are thinking and are reminded of Salem Witch Trials, which is very close to this area. Is Hannah in danger? Is she at risk of being persecuted? Yes and no. Right. Yeah. It was only like a couple decades before that all of the Salem Witch Trials were happening. And it happened all over New England, too. So Connecticut yeah, saw... All over the world. Some yeah. Of the- but so Hannah... And this is why I love this story, because Hannah decides they think I'm a witch. Okay, I'll be a witch. Brilliant. And she outwitch their witchy wishes. <laughs> Befriend a witch, you'll reap many rewards. Betray thy witch and so many sorrows. This <sighs> is Hannah Crana, the witch of Monroe, Connecticut. People gonna pay. Then it begins. Hannah embraces her witchiness. When she does go into town, doesn't even bother to comb her hair. She has this massive grin. But she's, I will preface this. She is a very, from what I understand, she's a very kind human. Like, yeah, she just, if people are going to be mean to her, she's going to be like, okay, you get what you get. (laughs) I picture Moira Rose from The Crows Have Eyes, the croning. Yeah, kind of like that. Just, yeah. <laughs> Crows looking, are following her. Yeah, looking a bit feral, you know? You know, what's really interesting is that The Birds, the Hitchcock movie, has no music in it. It doesn't? And it is such an incredible movie. There's no music. Are there any dead silent parts or is it just... I've never seen it. Is it just like the sounds of the birds? Like there's no... You know how like I feel like with horror movies, the music adds so much to the Swells horror element? And- yeah. And even like any movies, like music is such a powerful component. The Birds has no music. Wow. I just think that's really cool. I got to watch that movie. It's great. But also like when you look into the history of it and how it was made, you're like Hitchcock was a was a cock. Looney Tunes. Okay. So there are a couple of legends that have really kind of transcended time when it comes to Hannah Crana and the witchcraft practices that she practiced. So I'm going to share a couple. So it is said that there was a neighboring farmer who had a large crop of potatoes one season. He was thrilled. He was like, hell yeah, I get to pickle potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, I don't know. Mashed, fried, definitely better French fries than McDonald's. (laughs) Oh yeah, don't. But one morning, Hannah wakes up to find the farmer's cow destroying her garden and the farmer comes to retrieve the cow and is kind of like really rude to hannah and doesn't really apologize and laughs i need details on how the cow destroyed because i understand that it probably was just eating the crops but my very first 
imagery in my mind was the cow just like doing a little jig, like stomp, 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 like out of spite and staring at her, making dead eye contact. Yeah. But it was probably just eating it, right? I think it was eating things. It probably did a little stomp, stomp, stomp. He'd do a little dance. A little dance, a little cow dance. And Hannah, what I love about this is that Hannah's like, this is a cow. She understands it's not the cow's fault, but she was expecting the farmer to at least apologize and say sorry and be like, oh, my bad. Let me help recover your garden. Because also keep in mind at this time, women are were very, very dependent on the men in their lives. Hannah is now a widow. Her husband is dead. He didn't leave very much money behind for her. She's unable to work or make money for herself. She is dependent on living off of what she is planting in her garden and what people are willing to give to her. And the growing season in Connecticut is short. Exactly. So she's expecting human decency. And instead, yep. this farmer laughs. And Hannah stares at him. She does not laugh. She does not join him in this cackle that he's doing. She looks at him, feral, ferocity in her eyes. And she spoke with vindication. My curse upon you and my curse upon your crop. She turns and she leaves. The farmer's like, what the fuck? He goes back (laughs) to his farm. He goes to bed. The next morning, every single crop in his field, has blackened and died. I mean, he fucked with the wrong person. If you think about it, if all the birds aren't dying, there's some impenetrable bubble. Like, whether it's her or something else looking out for her, you don't mess with the energy around Hannah Crana. You don't. I will say this is one story where I appreciated Hannah was very much about, she was willing to forgive. So this man, mm. he's now, you know, he's aware of Hannah Crana and the rumors of her being a witch. And he's like, I made a grave mistake. I wronged the witch of Monroe. And so he goes to her and begs for her forgiveness and promises to repay her for his wrongdoings. Hannah, deciding to be in a forgiving mood, accepts the man's apology. And the next season... Hannah appears at this man's door one evening and she tells him to go to his field at 10 p.m. that night. He does as he is told. And right before his eyes, his crops grow. They grow from like small little corn crops all the way Mm -hmm. to 18 to 20 inches before his eyes, which I'm like, Hannah, I want to know your spells. Like, what are you, what, like, this magic is wonderful. I know you could heal the world. Yeah. And apparently as he's watching this happen, he can hear the whispers of Hannah's voice. Although she is not there. She is back up on her hill, but he can hear her voice. It's a whisper with a little high-pitched cackle beneath it. Always remember that as others do to me, even so I do to them. Good for good, evil for evil. I mean, that is a lesson in and of itself. Treat people the way you want to be treated, Mr. Farmer. Mr. Farmer. So now it's no longer a rumor. It is in the town known as a fact that up on the hill, there lives a witch. Her name was Hannah Crana. She had powers not to be messed with. But of course, there were many who uh, did. And then they got what they deserved. 
This is just so wild to me because I feel like if I had lived in this time and I had heard what happened, and yes, she had the ability to wipe out someone's crops, but she also had the ability to grow them so quickly. I would be like, this is a healer. This is a magical woman that we should go to for help. Yeah. My initial reaction would be like, she can heal. Yeah, so it's wild that people are like, oh, let's just mess with her again. She's a scary witch. Right. And it's also just like very, it's a lot of selfish, greedy people is what I am interpreting this as because mm-hmm. Hannah never used her powers for greed or for evil. She was very diligent in using them for justice. And like she said, good for good, evil for evil. Yep. I also said she had very little money. She was in need. And she asked for very little. Like occasionally she would ask people for food or firewood. And ultimately, she asked for respect. Hmm. I do also wonder if now I like to think of her as just this like all powerful, magical woman who probably maybe well, in my mind, I say probably, but like I know in actuality living through the winters in Connecticut and being alone during that period of time, she probably did have to rely on people for help. But in my mind, I like to picture that she didn't have to ask anyone. And these were just like small little tests to see Mm. who was good around her and for her to then like bestow some of her good positive energy their way. You know, that's interesting. She's just testing people. Yeah. Well, this is sad because there are a couple stories that are people being greedy and rude. So prior to the death of her husband, Hannah was known by the community and the neighbors I'm not necessarily sure how welcomed she was. Like she still might have been a little bit more on her own, but she was known. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, now in need, they just completely cut her out. So she one afternoon visits a neighbor who loves baking and she's really well known around the town for baking delicious pies. Hannah goes over and asks if she could part with just one pie. She was like, mm-hmm. I'll take the smallest one, even if it's burnt, I'll take one that you won't eat because you're not happy with how it tastes. The woman scoffs, belittles Hannah, and tells her to be gone. So Hannah, instead of cowering and feeling rejected, which I for sure would have felt, especially because like it is really, really hard to ask people for help when you need help. Yeah. And the fact that she was like, I'm this desperate and this hungry that I am asking for one pie. Right. So it's like Katniss in the Hunger Games wanting the one piece of bread to feed her family. And then Peter throws it to her yeah. in the rain. Oh. Hannah stops, stares at the woman, and says, You selfish woman, may you never bake another good pie in your life. And the woman never did bake another good pie in her life, no matter how hard Dang. she tried. There's also a story of a man who trespassed on her property. This is where it gets like kind of complicated because... She lives atop a hill, mm-hmm. but then in this story, there's a man who trespasses on her land and is fishing in her stream. And I'm like, what is this property? What is the landscape like? She's got a massive hill, a stream. Anyway, someone trespasses on her property and is fishing, and Hannah asks him to leave. And he says no, refuses to leave. So she looks him in the eyes and speaks the following. May curses fall upon you and your fishing. She turns and walks away. The man never caught another fish in his life. She's so powerful. She says one sentence and just 
for that person's lifetime, they're cursed with her seven words. And it's also what I appreciate about her is that clearly she's so powerful. She could she could wreak some major havoc. Like she could fuck some shit up. But she's like, you know what? I asked you for one thing. You didn't do it. I'm going to be very, very specific in what I am cursing you. Right. Because it's like, okay, well, is fishing on my property the most important thing to you? Apparently in this moment it is. So I'm going to make sure that you don't come back here and fish again. Yeah. And you won't because you'll never catch a fish again. So why would you come here? Bye-bye. She also was very giving. So there was a really harsh summer one year where there was no rainfall and the drought was very threatening to the harvest of crops, which would affect Mm. the entire community. And there was one farmer who did seek Hannah's help. Very kind of like you were saying, like this person was like, I acknowledge the power of this woman. I know that she can help me. So a farmer goes up to Hannah and asks if she would help him. He's like, I'll give you anything in return. And Hannah says, I don't need anything in return. Because you asked, I shall give you what you want. She says, by sundown on the morrow, your wish shall be granted. The next day, a heavy rain soaked the earth and made the farmer's land bountiful. So there are a lot of tales similar to this. Again, they're all very similar in nature, where if someone was rude to her, she would kind of curse them very specifically in that way or if someone was kind to her she would bless them with like a good happy gift it's really interesting just to go back to like the fact that she was pagan and just the fear of paganism sometimes at that time and then how it has lent itself to christianity or not really lent itself but you know christianity has taken aspects of paganism it's interesting that like this is a description of Hannah Crana, where she can do so, so much good, but she can also do so much evil. And there are such big parallels between that and, you know, having been raised Catholic, like one day Jesus can heal you and cure your eyesight. And the next day, God will pluck your eyes out. Like, yeah, well, (laughs) they're extremes. There are extremes, but it's kind of like Hannah has her moral code where it's good for good, evil for evil. And when we talked to Fio, too, Fio was like, which is curse. And mm-hmm. there are people who deserve to be cursed, to be taught a lesson or to stand up for other people or themselves, you know? Yeah. So she continued to live by her moral code, good for good, evil for evil, and kept mostly to herself living in her house atop a hill, more at peace at home by herself with her old rooster, old Boreas. And as his name may hint at, Old Boreas was old. Sweet little old rooster. And he, is it, what, is it not crowed? Honestly, I have no idea. You're probably right. Let me look it up. Okay. You're absolutely right. It's called crow and crowing. Okay. And they also will crow at 3 a.m. It says, your rooster may mistake a bright light for dawn and start crowing because he thinks it's dawn. Interesting. Interesting. So don't shine a flashlight near a rooster because they're too dumb. Or confused little roosters. So old Boreas crowed his final crow in late December 1859, taking his last little dinosaur breath in the arms of his bestest companion and friend, Hannah. It is said that she cried throughout the night, replacing the familiar crows of old Boreas from midnight all the way through the morning, that people through the town heard Hannah crying. She buried him that this night, breaks my heart. digging for him a grave in the center of her garden, 
laying him to rest beneath the starry night. She wrapped him in cloth, lit candles, and said goodbye to her dearest familiar. A beautiful funeral, a beautiful send-off. And this is even more beautiful because when morning came, Hannah no longer cried. She found a neighbor and spoke very clearly with a lot of knowing. I now will soon depart this life. And she had a few simple requests. My coffin must be carried by hand to the graveyard and I must not be buried before sundown. She died the very next day. Oh, it's so... There's something so spooky about when that happens, when people just know when they're going to pass. And she was like, now that my familiar has passed, like, it was her best friend and companion. Like, it's her time. Her husband gone, her familiar gone. Mm -hmm. So she died, and she gave very, I mean, simple-ish instructions as to how she would like to be buried and how she'd Mm -hmm. like her body to be taken care of. And again, there's some, like, different versions and variations of the story but some say that there was a snowstorm that made it really difficult to like carry her casket down but then given how the community treated her like i very much believe that they were like we're not going to hand carry her casket we're going to do this the easiest way possible but instead of hand carrying her casket to the graveyard like she had asked they strapped her to a horse-drawn sled they depart her house during daylight hours and remember she asked like do not bear me before sundown. As right. they're bringing her down, out of nowhere, the straps that were secure become loose and the casket fell off the sled. So now they're like, this is weird. They secure it once more and they, to ensure that it stays on, they have like their heaviest men kind of like stand there and hold it in place. Yeah. As they start moving again, the casket starts like shaking violently, throwing the men off of it no way it took so long to finally get hannah down to the graveyard in her casket that by the time it all happened she got everything she wanted they had to hand carry her it took so long that they were not able to bury her until sundown so despite asking for all of these things and despite the townspeople refusing to honor them Hannah made sure she got what she wanted. Good. I'm glad. And then, just as a cherry on top, when a couple of people returned to her home to clear her belongings, they found it completely engulfed in flames, devoured by a fire. Nothing but a few pieces of stone were left behind. Oh my God. I kind of love that, though, because that was her sanctuary. That was her place. And then to mm-hmm. have these people who never really showed her much respect anyway to then enter her personal abode and god knows what they would do with it or grab or take or use like i like that it went up in flames like she got to have the life that she lived only for herself i also like to imagine that she had like a lot of secrets that she was like i'm not letting any of them find it Mm -hmm. like her grimoire was in there the power of being a witch Hannah was buried in what is Gregory's Four Corners Burial Ground at Spring Hill Road. Her grave still exists. What I love is that people so often bother themselves with how to make a grand entrance. But I want to take a page out of Hannah's book. Hannah Crana knew how to make an elaborate departure. Yes, she did. Her reputation lives on, and it's safe to say that she is a badass witch who took no shit. She asked for very little and demanded respect. But here is 
the part of this episode that maybe we can have some discussions because if she made such an impact in this town of Monroe, wouldn't there be more documented details of her life? And wouldn't we know more than just these legends? Is it just like a bunch of hocus pocus? Because there is part of me that's like, okay, this could be some type of story spurned by the Salem witch trials. You know, there's just like Mm -hmm. another version of it a hundred years later that some people start saying, or is it like the PTA parents of students get together with the teachers and they're like, our kids need to treat people like they want to be treated. And they made up this tale of Hannah Crana, the witch of Monroe, who right. sought respect, good for good, evil for evil. I don't know. What is true? What's not? Is life even real? Is Hannah Crana... <laughs> Truly, I am like so convinced. Is Hannah? There's Krana, no records of Hannah Crana, so is life even real? Is this all a simulation? Is life even real? Is the nursery rhyme that I remember does it exist, or is this all part of the Mandela effect? Because <laughs> I swear it existed, or am I oh, man. just a feral out of my mind crazy lady? <laughs> There's also a lot of discrepancies. About this story, because the only documented publication I could find was from a newspaper called The Bee, which was published on Friday, December 7th of 1900. So it's a lot. It's old. It's an older article. And it does say many years ago, so many that only one or two of the oldest current inhabitants of the town ever saw her in the house on the hill lived Hannah Crana. So basically indicating that she was alive sometime between the late 1700s and early 1800s. Mm. But this article from the 1900s states that she was married to an alcoholic named Silas Crana and that Hannah ushered in her initiation to witchcraft by murdering him in a startlingly novel and sensational manner. This article tells the story as like people saw her push her husband off the cliff. Whoa. But there's a picture I'll put in the YouTube video of this newspaper article. It does have a lot of similarities to the stories that are now on the internet today, but there are like small details that are just like different enough where you're like, okay, it's a game of telephone. Things change over time, similar to your friend's story in in the newspaper, right? Mm -hmm. But the biggest difference is the name of her husband, Silas Crana or Captain Joseph Hovey. Who was Captain Joseph? And so there's a gravestone at Gregory's Four Corners Burial Ground at Spring Hill Road. It reads Hannah Crana, 1783 to 1859 slash 60, wife of Captain Joseph Hovey. The gravestone, I'll put a picture right here. It appears newer than you would expect. Not too new, but not like old, old. And there might be a ghostly reason for that. But is her last name Hovey or Crana? If you ask the internet, people would say it's Hovey, and that was her married name, but that Crana was her, like, witch name, either given to her by the people because it rhymes, or that she adopted herself because Crana is Scottish for rocky place, and it was said that right next to Hannah's home, there was this large, massive rock that kind of had this chip out of it that looked like a footprint of a hoof, like almost like Satan's hoof. Mm-hmm. And people said that she would do her rituals and like call upon Satan right by this rock. Oh. So did they name her Hannah Crana because of that? Yeah. In terms of her headstone too being just like cleaned and looking good, I do like the idea that maybe 
she's a relative that whether they know they're related to Hannah or not, just feels this draw to come and occasionally take care of the headstone. Oh, people do leave pennies. Yeah. Like my friend Allison, who lives in Marblehead, she's from Alabama and she had this big draw to Marblehead, lived there and felt so at peace and so like fulfilled with life and was just like, everything feels easier. Everything feels like I've been here for a long time. She recently did an Ancestry.com like genealogy. It turns out they have a shit ton of relatives that all lived here. So she's gone and visited all of their graves. That's so beautiful. Not all of them, but she's been tracking down their graves. No indication prior, like her and her family members had no clue, but it was centuries back that she had she a felt ton it. of ancestors in this area, and she felt it. That is so, so cool. it makes me wonder if if someone maybe related to Hannah Cranus experiencing something similar. That's a beautiful story. There is a, another possibility, which I'll share in just a minute. But to wrap up Hannah and like if she really exists and having any evidence, there was. So because I couldn't find any like records about Hannah, like, like there's no records of when she was born or where she was born or anything. I was like, okay, what about Captain Joseph Hovey? I did find a record of a Joseph Hovey who was born in Ipswich, Massachusetts, which we went to the little castle up there. The little castle? You mean the giant crane the estate? massive, <laughs> massive, beautiful castle. 1800s Italianate mansion on rolling hills looking over Crane Beach. Yes. So this Joseph Hovey was born in 1653, but he also married a woman named Hannah. Together they had seven children and died in the late 1600s. But the only thing is that this is far too close, both in physical proximity and in date proximity to Salem witch trials, which took place in 1692 in Salem. So there's a possibility that maybe Hannah Hovey, this one was like somehow involved in the Salem witch trials stories. And like the story got manipulated in some way. Like obviously we know she's not a big part of the Salem witch trials that we know of, but like she was around in that time. Is there something that she wrote that got passed down through family and then was found in Monroe, Connecticut? I don't know, but I just thought that was an interesting possibility. Or there's another possibility that Hannah's husband did die and people began to accuse her of being a witch. And I love to think that she was like, yeah, fuck all of you. I am a witch and I'm going to do whatever I want. And I'm going to stay up on my hill with my beautiful cock and I'm going to curse you when you don't give me pies and don't worry because i've got a cock i'm good i also (laughs) jesus christ i also like the idea that maybe she never was a witch in the beginning but that everybody's energy that they were directing towards her supercharged her and so she's living life on the hill and her and her little rooster hey hey is the name of the rooster in moana what's his name boreas old boreas old Boreas that like they're just looking at each other and it is like a Disney movie and they're like oh my god what's this tingling in my palms oh my god why is my tomato growing three times the size in one hour yeah and they're just there together like whispering and figuring out her magic as people continue to think and like send energy and thoughts her way she's just like powering up it's like creating a haunting the community created a witch and she was like oh yeah this is cool but yeah, I like to think that she embraced this New and she rumor. was like, you know what? I'm just going to take this on and I'm not going to let people mess with me. But OK, it's interesting. I finished my research last night and then I was going to bed and 
this came up on my feed. I love this account called We the Urban. I post them a lot on my story. They just share a lot of like, not sure who needs to hear this type of thing. This came Mm -hmm. up last night before I was going to bed. Not sure who needs to hear this, but you are not responsible for the negative perceptions others create about you in their minds. Don't let their fiction become your truth or your burden to carry. And I read that and I was like, it felt so apropos to the story of Hannah Crana where I was like, yes, I think she's such a badass. And like, she was like, fuck all of you. But it is really sad that she almost had to become what they perceived her to be. She made the most of it. But this is a story of a woman who was ostracized and ridiculed and made to be someone that maybe she never herself wanted to be. I know. And it's it's curious, too, because it's like, that is very sad. But my hope is that she felt like she was free and could be whoever she wanted to be when she was on her own property. And that hopefully she had the only interactions we're hearing about that tend to be more like witchy with Hannah are just because those are the few that stood out. And I hope that she yeah. did have a lot of interactions that were good and positive and maybe she had a book club of her own and a lot of friends and you know yeah and things like that but it is sad it is sad but I I do love her and I admire her and I think there's a lot of beauty in her story in the sense that like she didn't fit in and Mm -hmm. she wasn't going to fit in and so she was like well I'm not gonna like just fit in because you want me to right and guess what? Her ghost is still haunting. Mm. And this is potentially why her gravestone looks so new. So people believe she haunts the cemetery in which she is buried, Gregory's Four Corners Burial, because people will be driving along this road and all of a sudden like a woman will appear standing in the middle of the road. This is horrifying, right? We've talked about this before. She like yes. disappears. And so many drivers have veered off the road trying to avoid hitting this spectral woman. They all apparently veer directly into one tombstone in the cemetery. Every time, the same one, Hannah Cranas. That's why her tombstone is new. They keep having to replace it because people keep hitting it. That is the legend. Oh, So that is the legend of Hannah Crana. I wonder, not to turn this into like an investigation, but I'm curious about the people that go off the road. Like what sort of connection they had to right. Hannah or like parallel to the life that she led. Is it just random and people are just going off the road or is there like a specific time of day, a specific yeah. type of person? What did they all look like? Do they all look the same? Like I'm trying to figure out the MO here. I'm curious. I couldn't find specifics about it, but I like to think that she's targeting specific people. Like she's still right. good for good, evil for eviling. <laughs> I hope so too. I hope no one is truly harmed in those incidents. But no. And if any of you want to just come up with a Hannah Crana rhyme, please do because I I just need one. Sabrina's begging you. And I feel like this story is like ripe for a rhyme it is 
I feel like we're going to get some chat GBT suggestions, just like that Bigfoot musical one. Because you can like talk about her rooster. You can talk about her husband and the crops and how her house, like you, like her whole story is, I will submit one for us as well. Okay. Yeah. The final verse has to be about her like body being carried down the yeah. hill. Yeah. Something spooky. Oh, well, of course. Spooky for our spooky queen. Okay, well, I have a listener story from Haley, and it caught my attention because in the title, it well, the subject line is, Life is a Childhood Medium slash a Wicked Witch Story. Fun. So, and I, I knew nothing about Hannah Crana going in, so I was like, a Wicked Witch? That sounds fun. Yeah. People did call Hannah Crana the Wicked Witch of Monroe, Connecticut, and I was like, I refuse to call her that, so I did not call her that. Okay. And this one's not about Hannah. This is about somebody else. Okay. So I think we're okay here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Haley says, so I've been listening to your podcast for a while now and I wanted to send an email in, but my experience with the paranormal is quite personal. It's a little hard to talk about. However, I feel like I'm finally able to share my story. So here it is. And buckle oh. up because this is a long one. Okay. When you mentioned the Wicked Witch of the West appearing in the latest episode, which I believe was a long time ago, there was an episode called do you have a boo-boo? <laughs> and I think we did like haunted doctors like or boo. hospitals. And you talked about having a recurring nightmare when you were little that the Wicked Witch yeah, of the I, West was coming I for you. I feel like I recently talked about this too. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Okay. So maybe it's come up in a few different episodes then. I've talked about I it a bunch of times because it, it's like, it's definitely one of the scariest things that I've experienced. Yeah. yeah. When you mentioned the Wicked Witch of the West appearing in the latest episode, I knew that I needed to write in. From the time that I was born, I was... um. Dot, dot, dot. Let's just say unique. (laughs) (laughs) I would talk to people that no one saw, and I knew things that I shouldn't have. My parents actually got me tested for schizophrenia when I was a child because of my behavior. And one night, however, I proved that this was something different than a mental illness. I was around five at the time, and I woke up in a panic, screaming, It's a tragedy! He's dead! He's dead! He says it's an accident, but he's dead! My parents, probably scared out of their mind, responded, who? Who's dead? And I answered, the man from Pancakes, which is what I called the local restaurant in town. (gasps) Oh. I then explained the man's appearance to my parents. My mom took a short walk to the restaurant about an hour later once I had calmed down to see if anything really did happen. And she found the restaurant surrounded by an ambulance and policemen. And she promptly returned home, knowing that I must have been right about something. A few days afterwards, there was a report of a man's death in the newspaper. He looked exactly how I had described him to. And he had died of a heroin overdose in the basement of the restaurant. Oh, she's... It's so sad that she was so afflicted by this man's death because he clearly... Like, she was feeling his fear and sadness. Yes, yes. It was like she was there with him watching it all happen. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. But I'm also really glad that this happened so that her parents could understand what was happening, that it it was right real. Yeah. And I do appreciate her parents taking the precautions of mental yeah. illness and just like taking of care of the health too, because it's, I mean, while we're a paranormal podcast, we always try to say like, it's easy for us to blame everything on the paranormal, but there's also sure. a whole nother side to life that we should also pay attention to. Yes. Obviously, visions like this did not comfort my child like mind, and I would often scream when my parents were driving, telling them that they were going to run someone over. 
I eventually realized that these people were ghosts. The true horror that I experienced as a child came from my old house, which was filled with a dark energy, something that could shift forms into whatever it wanted. This is where the Wicked Witch of the West story comes in. When I would sleep in one specific room in this house, I would have these vivid dreams of a witch with green skin, large nose, the whole nine yards, stirring Mm. a cauldron and laughing hysterically. I would feel my bed lift off of the ground, turn in rhythm with the stir of the cauldron. And this is where it gets really weird. Whenever I would have that dream, my parents would wake up to me sitting upright in bed, laughing hysterically with my eyes wide open, almost like I was in a trance-like state. As you said, sit up straight up in my bed, Leia did exactly that. (gasps) She's listening. She's into the story. They would have to shake me until I came out of the dream. On multiple occasions, I wet the bed because I was just so scared. I dreaded nighttime and I often felt sick and exhausted in my own house. The rest of the family experienced the same effects. On another occasion, I was in the shower washing my hair when I saw what looked like a hand drag across the shower curtain. I ran outside of the bathroom in a panic, butt naked, soap in my hair and all. I ran down the hall towards my parents' room. But when I passed the steps, I saw something that I will never forget. A woman with dark and knotted black hair covering her face. She wore a white nightgown and looked filthy. I'm aware that this is similar to The Grudge, but I was around eight years old. I never watched horror movies for fear of inviting more activity into my life. Ha ha, look (laughs) at me now. I ran into my parents' room crying, explained what happened, and they let me cry. And my mom eventually came into the bathroom so that I could finish my shower without fear. My parents were extremely supportive with the whole me seeing dead things and considering the things I knew, they really couldn't deny it. This torment went on longer until one night, my dad and I decided to put an end to it for good. I was around 11 at the time, and all I remember from this night is a rosary going missing and my dad and I trying to find it. We eventually did find it in the back of a sock drawer. Mind you, we definitely did not put it there. Hmm. And I also remember sitting on the couch with my dad reading prayers once everything was over. In between those two events, I have no idea what happened. I hypothesized that my childhood brain must have blocked it out because it was just so traumatic. But after that event, my parents contacted a parapsychologist named Eddie Nathan, who we had seen on a TV show dealing with kids who could see into the realm of the paranormal. I had multiple sessions with her to turn off my gift, which is what I call my now muted ability. And this happened when I was 11 years old. I'm now 17. My family and I have moved out of the house that I just talked about, but I can't help but shake the feeling that I'm missing something in my life. Mind you, not all of my experiences with the paranormal were bad. I have many other stories of me knowing details about things that happened in the past and also helping spirits cross over, but I can't yet allow myself back into that world until I fully understand what happened that night in my old house. So I'll keep you guys updated. Until then, stay spooky. Haley. Wow. Haley. I can't even imagine what it was like going through that Mm-mm. and how no. difficult it was. And at 11 years old, going to a parapsychologist to shut off your abilities. Like, yeah, I, that probably isn't easy. It's hard to understand. Like the fact that driving with her parents, she would see people in the road and think that her parents were going to hit people, but they were ghosts. Right. And that they would look so completely solid. It is yeah. so freaky. 
And also just the experience of like the hand in the shower and that woman at the bottom of the stairs. It reminds me of Haunting of Hill House where it's just like mm-hmm. horrifying image after horrifying image and you're running and you're trying to escape it, but you just can't. And you can't. And it is wow. so freaky too. Like I'm, I'm curious if Haley has ever asked her dad what happened that night because it sounds yeah. like there was this sort of ritual performed to either try to like cleanse the space or something just horrifying happened in between the rosary and losing the rosary and saying prayers. I it is like, I don't know. It might be better for her not to know. Well, they also don't live in that house anymore. So I wonder if that would help a bit in terms of hearing what happened and knowing that you're not going yeah. back to that same space again. I mean, out of curiosity, I want to know what happened, but... Me too. <laughs> it kind of sounds be. like Haley does too. Yeah. And this was sent in 2019, so... Haley, wow. happy 21st or almost 21st? Almost 21st. Wow. I hope you're still with us, like listening and also yeah. with us. <laughs> You better be alive and listening. Well, to all of you who are listening, please send us your ghost stories, your witch stories, and your rhymes for Hannah Crana, and also how you're celebrating Feral February. We'd love to know. Uh, there's a variety of ways to support us. The first would be to tell everybody about us. It's a pyramid scheme. So with our pyramid scheme, you should tell two people and get them to listen. And then they tell two people. And that's how you get sucked into this triangle that is ghost stories every single week. You can also rate and review us on iTunes. Check us out on YouTube. Hang out with us on Patreon. We go live with ghost stories with you guys on the stage with us every single Tuesday night. It's called Campfire Stories. And that's on Patreon. We also have a bonus episode every single month. And ad-free, one-week-early versions of all of our episodes available on Patreon. Yes. Thank you all for listening. And thank you to our editor and producer, Jamie, who edits all of our audio and video episodes. We're really grateful for all of her amazing work. We Mm -hmm. love you all as well. And we will see see you on the other other side. side. Very spooky.